You are listening to the teaching podcast of the Crossridge Women Study of Mark from winter 2021. Welcome to the Crossridge Women Study of the Gospel of Mark. My name is Carolyn, and this is our introductory podcast for January 20, 2021. So in order to start off um, our study of this book well, we need to begin with something we like to call the BRI, or Background Required Information. It is a list of questions that we apply to every book we begin to study. It provides foundational information out of which we can start to understand what the author was actually trying to say and better apply it to our own lives and be shaped by it. So you can find that list of questions if you have your study guide on page 10. And for this teaching, I will basically just answer those questions for us. This is information that's all available in a study Bible, in the intro to the book, or even in a Bible dictionary. So if you like, you could turn this podcast off, try to answer your questions yourself, and then turn the podcast back on and uh, just confirm your, your ideas and your findings. Or you can just listen along and answer the questions as we go. So let's jump in with question number one. Who wrote the book of Mark? Well, it probably um, might seem obvious that it's Mark, but first off, we actually don't know that. There's no indication in the book who wrote it, so we have to assume it's anonymous, and like many of the books of the Bible, actually. But in this case, we have some secondary sources outside the Bible itself from, from church history that affirm that Mark is, in fact, the name of the author. So who's Mark? Well, church historians, uh, like a guy named Eusebius, who wrote in 140 AD, says that Mark was a disciple of Peter. So he spent a lot of time with Peter and the other apostles in the years after Jesus' ascension. And in some cases, he scribed Peter's own writings. You can imagine that he heard all kinds of stories directly from Peter. And in the words of another ancient historian, Papias, Mark accurately wrote down all he heard and remembered. So tradition says this is the same John Mark from Acts 12, 12. So that's a story where Peter is miraculously released from prison and he goes to the house of Mary, who is said in Acts 12, 12 to be the mother of John Mark. He goes there to her house because that's where all the Christians are gathered to pray. You might remember that the servant girl named Rhoda answers the door and she tells everyone Peter is there and no one believes her, uh, even though at the moment they were praying for Peter's release. Long story short, if the early church regularly gathered at his mom's house, you can imagine that Mark spent a lot of time listening and hearing and being taught by eyewitnesses of Jesus. Peter even calls Mark my son in his letter, 1 Peter 5, 13, hinting at a kind of like close mentoring relationship between the two. So Mark is also likely the same Mark from Colossians 4, 10, who was a cousin of Barnabas, and he helped Paul and Barnabas on their missionary journeys. If you studied the book of Acts with us, you might recall that there was a bit of drama there where Mark deserted uh, Paul and Barnabas for a time. But later in Philemon, Mark called Mark his co-worker. And in 2 Timothy, he actually describes him as useful to him in ministry. So we can assume that there was um, restoration there. We can't verify for sure that this is all the same Mark, but it is pretty widely accepted by those who spend a lot of time studying the book. 
So I, I think we can be pretty confident to take their word for it and remember that who the writer is, is not as important as what he is saying. Let's skip ahead to question three on page 10 of our study guide, and that's when was Mark written? So according to early church fathers, it was written about 20 to 30 years after the events occurred. So either right before or after Peter was martyred, somewhere in the early to mid 60s. Some scholars even believe closer to the end of the 60s. Um, It doesn't really matter, but we know it's right in there somewhere. Most people believe it was the earliest gospel written, which is kind of neat, as Matthew and Luke use a lot of uh, Mark's material as sort of the source for their books, their gospels, and then they fill the events out with more detail and quite a bit more teaching. So now we'll jump back up to question number two. To whom is Mark written? Well, hopefully you'll soon discover that this is the most important question for us. I'm going to be talking about this a lot in this study. The books of the Bible are uh, what we call occasional documents. That means they were written to a specific group of people for a specific purpose and on a specific occasion. So in order to understand their meaning, we need to understand the original reader and what their circumstances were. So scholars believe Mark was likely written to uh, Gentile or non-Jewish Christians living in Rome. And partly this is because uh, Mark has a lot, or Mark has to explain a lot of Jewish customs and laws to his reader. He often translates Aramaic phrases that would have been common were he writing to a Jewish audience. He uses Latin phrases often, and he rarely quotes from the Old Testament. So these Gentile Christians he was writing to were likely suffering persecution under the reign of Nero. Now, if you know anything about the Emperor Nero of Rome from the history books, you know he was a bit crazy and definitely cruel. While um, early Christians lived out quite peacefully, actually, during the beginning of his reign, during AD 64, there was this huge fire that destroyed um, much of Rome. And a rumor went out that Nero was actually the one who started it. Uh, Because he didn't like the layout of the city, and he wanted to remake it himself. So Nero had a bit of a problem, and he needed a scapegoat. So Nero blamed the fire on uh, the Christians, and he began ruthlessly persecuting them. An ancient historian named Tacitus actually wrote a lot about this persecution. Some of the things um, he said Nero would do is that he uh, would cover Christians in animal skins and feed them to wild animals as sport or as um, the center ring of his circuses. He would hang them on crosses. He would set fire to Christians to serve as lanterns in his gardens during his garden party. There are so many horrific stories you can read for yourself, but um, basically the end of all of them is, is, like I said, he was crazy and cruel. And so that's our original reader of Mark, Christians suffering under this intense, brutal persecution. It wasn't an easy time to be a Christian. And perhaps they were beginning to lose some of their tenacity over all this hardship. Uh, You can imagine the questions that might be running through their mind. 
Is this really what it's like to live in the kingdom? And is it worth it? Is Jesus really more powerful a king than Nero? And does he even care? We are suffering for his sake. Does he even care? It's really good to keep those questions that the OR had in the back of their mind, in your mind, as you read the book. We like to call that the OR Mindset. It's a really great place to begin your study of any book of the Bible. All right, let's go to question number four. Um, There's another group of people we have to keep in mind, and that is what we call the original audience. So who was the original audience of the Gospel of Mark? Well, the original audience are the people who are actually experiencing the events of the story. So for Mark, that means the disciples, the Pharisees, the Jews and Gentiles living in Galilee and Judea during the ministry of Jesus. So somewhere around, say, AD 20 to 30, somewhere in there. And while they weren't suffering the same kind of persecution as the original reader was, they were definitely experiencing life under Roman occupation. So the Jewish people among the original audience were awaiting this promised Messiah who they believed would finally free them from Rome's oppressive taxes and pagan culture. So what kind of questions would the uh, original audience or the OA be asking? Well, they were asking something like this. Who is this Jesus? Who even is he? And what is this kingdom he's talking about? Their uh, expectations of a Messiah were largely political, as we will come to see. And Jesus as the Messiah is not at all what they expect. And you will see that they are quite shocked for most of um, the book. All right, let's move on. And this time we're going to jump ahead again to verse uh, question six. In what style was the book written? So knowing the style or the genre, as we sometimes call it, of the book helps us to use the correct tools to study it. Mark is mostly what we would call historical narrative. It's a story. So we understand it like we understand most stories by observing people and events and dialogue and places and the plot development, right? And um, to go along with that, Mark uses some interesting techniques in his writing. This is important to take note of and you can watch for it. He does um, something interesting that's called, I don't know, it's called interweaving or sometimes people just call it sandwiching. That might help you picture of what it is. This is where Mark weaves one story in with another, or he starts telling one story and then he inserts a little story in the middle and then he finishes telling the first story. So kind of like a sandwich. So Mark does this to show that uh, the events in both stories actually interpret each other. He's saying that there's important contrasts and comparisons within the two stories, or sometimes it's three stories, that contribute to their overall meaning. So Mark also um, uses irony a lot. So some of you might enjoy this. Um, And also he structures his book into two halves. So he has very uh, interesting structure and it's very concrete. You can see it uh, very, very clearly. 
So in the center of the book is something we call the cruciality, or it can also be called the turning point, because that's what it is, the turning point between the two halves. And that's actually found in uh, chapter 8, verse 29. It's Peter's declaration that Jesus is the Messiah. Where Jesus says to Peter, who do you say I am? Peter says, you are the Messiah. And up until that point, Mark has been telling this story that could be titled the hidden Messiah or the veiled Messiah. Because everyone is wondering who Jesus is. And, and we're beginning to understand his identity from what he does, from his actions. But right after the cruciality from chapter 8, verse 30 on, Mark's telling now the story of the revealed Messiah. We are seeing exactly who Jesus is, even by his own words. And his purpose is made abundantly evident to the reader. All right, our final question to establish our BRI is number five. What is the reason written? And thus, what are the key themes of the book? Well, let's start with the key themes. I know I'm jumping all over the place here tonight, but uh, here's the three themes. I'm, yeah, I'm going to suggest that there's, there's three, and then you might fi find more as you go through, but here's three to start with. So first, who is Jesus? Two, why did he come? And three, what does it look like to follow him? So one, who is Jesus? Two, why did he come? And three, what does it look like then to follow him? Another way I can sort of see these three themes, or I've heard people express these themes, are like this. The first one, the authority of Jesus. Two, suffering in the life of Jesus and his followers. And three, service. What it means to be a servant of the kingdom. So if you kind of wrote those out beside each other and sort of matched them up, looked closely, you could see that, that they really are the same. Mark's writing to um, encourage the persecuted Christians in Rome. And they are asking, is Jesus as powerful as Nero? Because we are suffering at his hand. Mark is addressing their suffering, and he's giving them hope by reminding them who exactly Jesus is. See, Mark believes that the true knowledge of Jesus is going to help them in their suffering. It's going to enable them to persevere with hope. And if they can just repent of their expectations of what it means to follow Jesus and to live in this Messiah kingdom... And if they can just believe and have faith that he is who he says he is. And as they ask uh, that other question they have, does he even care that we're suffering? The book of Mark is a gift to them. It is showing them that indeed Jesus has deep compassion for those who are suffering. We see it all the time in the book of Mark. He understands suffering at the deepest level. And somehow, 
Mark shows us that this Messiah kingdom even includes suffering, and yet it is not without hope. So here's why I think the book of Mark is is completely appropriate for us today. I think that many of us are asking the same questions, right? Why is the Christian life so hard? I'm following him best I can, and still I have pain and difficulty. Is is this really worth it? Is the kingdom really worth, worth it? And if he truly is the king, why do I still have to suffer at the hand of earthly kings? You know, lots of them don't even believe what I do. They don't stand up for what I think is best. Their agendas don't line up with my morals or my Christian values. Maybe we're thinking that we, we feel like we're losing our freedoms, even our religious freedoms these days. Doesn't he even care? Can't he do something if he's really the sovereign king? The book of Mark is a gift to us today because it describes the kingdom of Jesus as better, even though it includes suffering. It promises us a compassionate king who not only cares, but he has the authority to do something about it. And you know, even if his agenda is not to sanitize us from pain and suffering, even if his agenda is not to remove it completely from us, because wouldn't that be the best? Even if he, that is not his agenda, it certainly is his agenda to recycle our pain and our suffering into kingdom benefits like peace and hope and love and even joy. I think that Mark helps to rewrite the metrics of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He's going to show us that it's not about earthly power and it's not about an earthly kingdom. In fact, it looks pretty weak if you're only looking with physical eyes and ears. So Mark is inviting us into this shocking revelation of who Jesus is and why he came and what it looks like to follow him. And the question it asks of us is, will we have eyes to see? And will we have ears to hear? I'm just going to pray for us and then uh, I'm going to send you off into study two over the next two weeks. Uh, So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your presence that is with us. That as we open your word, your spirit faithfully will teach us. God, we come to you acknowledging that we need your help in this. We need your help um, to give us spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear. We confess that we have a lot of ideas about who you are. And uh, we have a lot of ideas about why you came. 
and um, we have a lot of our own ideas about what it means to follow you and what that should look like. We just ask that you would shape us through your word, that where we need um, correction or redirection, that you would do that as you always do so kindly with us. God, we ask that you would um, yeah, just reveal the truth of who you are in a way to us that it would change us. I thank you for these women who are going to be um, endeavoring to, to study this book of Mark. I pray that you would give them eyes to see and ears to hear. That as they are looking for time to study, as they are opening your word, that they are applying themselves to love you with their mind. That you would meet them, that you would um, just reveal your presence to them, that they would know that you're with them, that they would understand um, your word and that they would, they would hear you, God. We just thank you uh, for this opportunity. We thank you that you have preserved your word and that um, these, this message that was for ancient people in crisis can also be for us all these years uh, later. And some of us in what seems a lot like crisis. God, we, we thank you for Jesus. Would you just open our eyes to see all that you have for us through the book of Mark? In your name we pray. Amen.